you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, August 11th, 2021, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we will recap another Orioles loss. This makes it six in a row with the 9-4 loss to the Detroit Tigers on Tuesday night. We'll get to the five things you need to know from another rough night of Orioles pitching. Then we will take another look at another new Oriole. This is a guy that you always claimed actually right on the day of the trade deadline, but we haven't been able to get to him until now. Luckily, he's been in Norfolk so far, but it's the left-handed pitcher Ryan Hartman who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Houston Astros, and we are going to be joined by Spencer Morris, who covers the Astros minor league system, to uh, tell us about Hartman, his time with the Strohs, and uh, why he only got one appearance at the major league level before the Astros cut him loose and DFA'd him a couple of weeks ago. Then at the end of the pod, we will get you a few Orioles news and notes uh, from the last 24 hours or so and uh, get you ready by previewing tonight's game two between the Orioles and the Tigers. But that is all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me every week to talk Orioles and get in on the action at Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. So we start today with another Orioles loss as the Orioles fall 9-4 to the Detroit Tigers on Tuesday night in game one of the three-game series at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And that is now six consecutive games in which the Orioles have given up at least nine runs. First team since 2002 to do that over at least a six-game stretch. So things not going too well for the Orioles. After really before this streak, you know, the, the last win for the O's was that game one in New York against the Yankees when Jorge Lopez gave the Orioles six good innings. He threw five no-hit innings uh, in that game, and the Orioles beat the Yankees 7-1. to And, you know, after that, you know, I was saying, you know, the Orioles were playing some actually pretty good baseball post-All-Star break. But these last six games have been bad, but they've been bad in kind of a weird way. And, you know, this game doesn't as much fall into the category, but, you know, some of the games, especially against the Rays, where the Orioles had leads and they were still playing well and then the bullpen kind of gave it up, well, this one was all about the starting pitching, giving it up. As the Orioles fall 9-4, to they are now 38-73 and on the season. So we'll get you the five things you need to know from this game. And the first thing you need to know has to do with that Orioles starting pitching, and it's that Keegan Aiken just flat out bad. Three innings for Keegan Aiken as he was reinserted back into the starting rotation after a couple of weeks in the bullpen and in Norfolk. He allows six runs on seven hits over three innings, did strike out five and walk just one. The five strikeouts in three innings, pretty good, but it seemed like whatever he wasn't getting a strikeout, it was hard contact against the Orioles lefty. And it was interesting because, you know, the 68 pitches he threw in the three innings, he threw 52 of them for strikes. So it wasn't about, you know, really control. It was more about command. And, you know, he was throwing too many strikes down the middle. And his ERA now 8.23 on the season. And that's really was the issue with Aiken. I mean, some of the times it's been walks. It was not the walks, you know, just the one and the five strikeouts in the three innings. He was just throwing too many fastballs down the middle. He went with 38 fastballs. It was 56% of the time. And he got a lot of called strikes on that pitch. I mean, he got 11 called strikes on the pitch, but he only got two whiffs. And the guys made a lot of contact. No, he did get eight foul balls. So the fastball wasn't terrible. And that's the other thing. Like, the slider 
was really, really good, and the fastball was solid. You know, he threw it in the strike zone a lot, and, you know, he threw 16 sliders. He got four whiffs. He got five called strikes on the slider. Like, the slider was a really good pitch for Keegan Aiken on Tuesday night. Here's the issue. He just couldn't seem to throw the ball that was a competitive ball. What I mean by a competitive ball is you'll have some pitches that are called balls that are just so far out of the strike zone uh, that, you know, a hitter's not even thinking about swinging. You need some competitive balls to get you through a start, and that is, you know, a good slider to a lefty that starts in the zone and breaks away from the zone, or, you know, a good curveball that starts at the knees and breaks below the knees, gets you a swing and miss, or, you know, a good fastball that's, you know, just off the outside corner, and a guy feels like he has to protect, uh, you know, fouls it off or, or does swing and miss or, or puts it in play for an out. It was either down the middle or a pitch that guys were spitting on, basically, and he was just a, a three-pitch pitcher. He threw two curveballs on the day. That was it. It was mostly fastball, slider, and changeup. And he just got hit. He threw the ball down the middle. And he got hit. That fastball, despite it being okay, was still put in play seven times. And uh, I just don't know what the Orioles are doing here. And I know he came off of a good appearance his last time where he threw three scoreless innings in relief. But that was in a blowout game. There was zero pressure. Now he starts. And, you know, not that the Tigers are a bad offense. They've been pretty good since the, you know, the second half started especially. But this is not a top flight offense that you're facing either. And he just gets blown up and only gets through three innings against the Tigers. You got to take him back out of the rotation. I mean, maybe you put him in the bullpen where it went okay for a little bit. I mean, if you still want him to be a starter, you send him down to AAA and let him work it there, especially now with Bruce Zimmerman pretty much ready to come back for the Orioles. You also have Alex Wells uh, now on the big league roster again. He pitched the ninth inning in relief on Tuesday night. One of those two guys can easily slot into that rotation spot, and Aiken either, either needs to go to the bullpen or, or back to AAA. It's just it's not good. It's not good at all for Keegan Aiken. Second thing you need to know from the Orioles' 9-4 loss, uh, switch it to the other side of things, though. Marcos Duplan, the Orioles might have something here. Uh, he throws two scoreless innings in relief of Aiken, came in to start the fourth inning. Six up, six down for Duplan, did have one strikeout. That was the final batter he faced. And in Marcos Duplan's two innings, or I should say two appearances with the Orioles in relief, he has faced 11 batters, and he has retired all. All 11 batters that he has faced with four strikeouts in that stretch. Of course, the Orioles just called him up over the weekend, the 24-year-old righty uh, who the O's you know, have had in their system. He was in the Futures game this year, kind of a surprise pick, but was really good out of the Norfolk bullpen all year. And This is a guy that he's got some interesting stuff, and I kind of like what I saw from him again on Tuesday night. And again, you know, he throws 22 pitches only to get through two innings. He went mostly fastballs, 13 fastballs, and then he kind of mixed it up. Five curveballs, a couple of changeups, a couple of cutters in there. And, uh, you know, the fastball was the pitch, you know, he went to a lot. He only got two whiffs in 22 pitches. Again, it wasn't the big strikeout stuff, but, you know, it's a fastball 94 to 96, and then he'll throw that curveball in there. It's a, it's about 80-81, and, uh, you know, that's that's kind of his two pitches, and maybe he'll throw in the changeup in the cutter, but he's really a, a fastball curveball guy, and it worked out. He could throw all his pitches for strikes, and uh, he got some soft contact. The Orioles might want to start using him, and hey, you know, I know he's inexperienced at the big league level, but the Orioles have a lot of bullpen issues right now. Maybe just throw him into a, a little more high leverage spot and see how it works. Third thing you need to know from the game is that, you know, we switched to the next bullpen guy who had success, and that is Paul Fry, and he had a much-needed 
scoreless inning. Paul Fry entered in the sixth after DuPlan's two scoreless innings. It was at that point a 6-4 Tigers lead in the top of the sixth. Now he walked the leadoff batter, and you're thinking, here we go again. Of course, he's had a disastrous previous three appearances where he couldn't throw any strikes, but then he induces a ground ball double play. Then he gets a strikeout, faces only three batters, puts up a scoreless sixth, and, uh, you know, Brandon Hyde gets him out of the game. you got to feel good. That had to get his confidence back for Paul Fry, and that is huge. If they use this outing, hey, very low leverage. You know, your team's trailing by two in the sixth inning, you know, not the innings that Fry is used to, but that's why Brandon Hyde used him there because it's very low leverage, and he wanted him to get his confidence back after three straight disastrous outings, and uh, I think this did the job especially. I'm actually especially happy that he walked the leadoff guy and then was able to turn it around, roll that double play, get the strikeout, not let the leadoff walk kind of dismiss mantle the inning once again and uh, hopefully this means Paul Fry can get back into some high leverage spots because wow the Orioles need some bullpen arms right now fourth thing you need to know is wow Anthony Santander despite a little bit of a rough night in the field not necessarily made some errors but looked a little rough um, out there in right field he was smoking the baseball in this game I mean he did all he could to try and get the Orioles to win this one. He had a two for four with two solo home runs, and uh, his two outs were hard hit balls as well. All four times he came up, he recorded a hard hit ball. That's a ball off the bat with an exit velocity of 95 miles an hour or more. He hit a solo home run, the second off of Casey Mize, uh, that went on to Utah Street, 108.3 miles per hour off the bat, 414 feet uh, off the bat of Anthony Santander. His next time up was again a home run solo shot off of Casey Mize in the fourth inning. This one 104 miles per hour off the bat, 388 feet on the homer. Then in the fifth inning, he faced Kyle Funkhauser and he hit a screamer of a ground ball, 101.7 miles per hour off the bat. Uh, they actually had a 410 expected batting average, uh, but Tigers infield made a nice play uh, to retire him. And then he hit another long fly ball in the eighth inning against Michael Fulmer, uh, ended up 95.1 miles per hour off the bat, went 358 feet, just went to the wrong part of the ballpark, and it just ended up as a long fly ball. Santander had three of the four furthest hit balls in this entire game. And that takes me to the last thing you need to know from the Orioles' 9-4 loss is the other guy sandwiched in there with the farthest hit ball was DJ Stewart. And uh, he broke himself out of an 0-14 stretch with something he needed badly. And that was a solo home run in last night's game for DJ Stewart. Took it 365 feet onto the flag court in right field for a solo home run. Ended up being his only hit of the night, one for four. He also had two strikeouts. He's still hitting just 198, does have a 661 OPS because he still does get on base, but we are getting close to decision time on 27-year-old DJ Stewart. It has been rough this year, but he did hit his eighth home run in the ballgame on Tuesday night. He's going to need to get hot again. I'm not saying he needs to have that two-week stretch like he did in 2020 where he turned into Barry Bonds and basically homered in every plate appearance, but things have to get a little better for DJ Stewart to stick around at this point, and uh, the home run in Tuesday night's game was a good start. But despite those long balls, Orioles couldn't get the win. They fall 9-4 to to the Tigers in Game 1 of this series, and again, the pitching was rough for the O's. But 
they could have more help coming along the way in terms of pitching because the Orioles made another waiver claim a couple of weeks back. That is the left-handed pitcher Ryan Hartman, a 27-year-old who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Houston Astros. He was a ninth-round pick of the Astros back in 2016 out of Tennessee Wesleyan University. Had some pretty good numbers in the minor leagues, advanced up through the system pretty quickly for the Astros, and then made just one appearance in the big leagues. It actually came against the Orioles in Houston this season. Two and a third innings pitched in relief. One run, three hits, two Ks, no walks. And he allowed a solo home run to Austin Hayes in that game. But that was the only big league appearance he's had before the Astros DFA'd him. And then the Orioles claimed him on waivers. So he has been sent to AAA Norfolk for the time being. But we assume because of the Orioles pitching problems, he'll be in the big leagues sooner rather than later. So we wanted to know more about Hartman and his time with the Astros. So Spencer Morris is going to join us. He is an MLB draft and prospects writer uh, over at his blog, Diamond Dreams. He also contributes and covers the Astros for the Crawfish Boxes, the Astros SB Nation site. And Spencer is going to join us coming up after the break to talk about Ryan Hartman, his minor league career, his stuff on the mound, and why it was only one major league appearance before the Astros cut ties. So again, that's coming up with Spencer Morris. We're talking about the Orioles' new lefty, Ryan Hartman after this break. So we'll get to our chat about one of the newest Orioles, Ryan Hartman, in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for Locked On Orioles once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Spotify Greenroom is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Spotify Greenroom for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. So go download the free Spotify Greenroom app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. And also follow me, at Connor Newcomb, to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live every single week. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Orioles. So see you there at Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. All right, so we welcome Spencer Morris into the podcast. He covers the MLB draft and prospects uh, for his blog, Diamond Dreams, and also uh, covers all things Astros uh, over at Crawfish Boxes, the Astros SB Nation site. And Spencer, first of all, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. And so we bring you on to talk about another Orioles waiver claim. And, you know, as the O's have gone through this rebuild, they have continued to try and take some flyers on some guys on the waiver wire. And the latest one was Ryan Hartman, the 27-year-old left-handed pitcher who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Astros a couple of weeks back. And, you know, really wanted to have you on because, you know, not a lot of people know a lot about Ryan Hartman because, first of all, he only pitched in one big league game. And that was actually against the Orioles. He ended up throwing two and a third innings of uh, relief, one run, three hits, two Ks and a walk. And Austin Hayes hit a home run against him uh, in Houston, that series where the Orioles swept the Astros. So I kind of wanted to ask you about that first. You know, when he makes his way through the minors, finally gets to the majors, you know, what was kind of the reception to his one outing? And was it surprising at all that he was only given that one chance before the Astros uh, let him loose? Um, I mean, I think the reaction was that I, I think everybody was just happy for him. I mean, he was a guy who 
had to really kind of fight his way up from the fringes of, you know, the pro radar. He was a late draft pick. He was a small school guy. Like he came into the Astros organization without, I don't think many people expected him to, to make it to the big leagues at all. And uh, when guys end up doing that, it's always a feel good story. Um, and I mean, I think that, you know, people were pretty impressed with how he handled that outing. I mean, the Astros were kind of in a rough spot with regards to their pitching depth and injuries for a while earlier this season. Um, and it was kind of all hands on deck and, you know, it wasn't like he went out and pitched a shutout, but he definitely held his own, um, you know, making an unexpected appearance against big league hitters. Uh, you know, I thought he, you know, that showed some guts. And I think that, you know, he had definitely endeared himself to, to fans in Houston uh, by the time he ended up being, uh, you know, moving on. But uh, I think that, you know, um, like I said, he was a guy that they got late in the draft, um, very under the radar, um, not really like any big standout stuff at all. Um, you know, the fastball is mostly in the upper 80s. He has, you know, a, a wide kind of range of, of secondary offerings, but most it's mostly a fastball changeup look, and then he'll mix in uh, mostly sliders in terms of the breaking stuff, but there's, he'll sometimes throw um, some more curveball shaped ones as well. And I think that, you know, there was, there was probably some, there's, there was probably some hope for him among like the real prospect nerd types in, you know, the Astros fan base is kind of a sleeper. It's just that, you know, when you're a competitive team, uh, the 40 man starts to become a real restrictive thing. Um, and particularly this season with all like the, the 10 day IL stints the Astros have had to deal with, they were really strapped for space trying to like maintain a, a competitive pitching staff. So, I mean, I think, you know, that was a kind of a predictable outcome to see him kind of go from a team experiencing roster crunch to one that isn't. Um, I don't, I think the Astros would have liked to have kept him if it was more feasible. Uh, unfortunately, it just didn't really fit with, with what they had to do to stay in the race. Um, but like, I think that he's a guy who, who has a chance to, to stick around a little bit. Um, he's not going to be your number one starter. He's probably not even going to be your number four starter, but he can put the ball where he wants to most of the time. And that goes a really long way. Like, like I said, the fastball is usually like in the upper eighties, but he's still able to be pretty effective with it just because of how well he can spot it. And he backs it up with that change up that he throws with really good arm speed. Um, at least at the triple a level, it seems like hitters have had a lot of trouble uh, picking that pitch up out of his hand. Um, and he was able to get, you know, a good amount of swings and misses with it. I mean, like the, the big issue in his profile thus far, which is pretty typical of these lower velocity guys is just that he's been prone to hard contact and home runs that I think that's probably going to continue to be the reality for him. Um, but these guys who really have an ability, ability to locate their stuff sometimes with more experience against, you know, major league hitters, they sort of learn to where, like, I guess where they can miss, miss to a little better and can get those homer rates down a little bit. So, I mean, I think that's what you're hoping to see with Hartman. Um, he, like, I think that, you know, lefties with good changeups tend to kind of outperform the rest of their stuff a little bit. 
Um, and I think that, you know, he has a chance to be that kind of guy. I think, you know, it's definitely kind of like a number five starter to swing man kind of profile. Um, but, you know, those guys have value. And I think that he's shown that um, he's at least ready to, to get a chance in that kind of a role at the big league level. And uh, the Orioles should have the room to give him that. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned lefties that go to their changeups often for strikeouts. I mean, the Orioles ace pitches like that. Yeah. John Means is a Absolutely. fastball changeup lefty. And so, you know, if Hartman does make his way onto the big league roster, I mean, what better guy to learn from um, at this point, a fastball changeup lefty uh, than John Means. Now, you did mention as a starter, obviously his one big league appearance comes in kind of long relief. He goes two and a third. But, you know, when you look at his minor league stats, as you talked about, it's basically all as a starter. And with that stuff, I mean, I would assume and, and wanted to get your thoughts like he's probably either going to make it as a starter slash long reliever or he's probably not going to make it at all because it feels like that stuff may not, you know, translate if you went into more of a full time bullpen role. Right. I mean, the, the list of uh, relief pitchers who have his velocity is not very long. Um, it there are a few names on it. So, I mean, I guess never say never, but. I, I would agree with that. I think that um, it's probably some kind of inning eating role or bust for him. Um, I never want to rule out anybody adding velocity in 2021. We see it happen just like all over the place now. So who knows? Maybe he gets struck by lightning and starts throwing 93. I, I've seen weirder things happen. Um, but yeah, I would, I would tend to agree that I see him most likely as kind of that swing man type. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's interesting you talked about the stuff too, you know, the the fastball changeup and him, you know, not even hitting 90 many times, but he threw 46 pitches in his one big league appearance and he threw 38 fastballs. So he just went to that yeah. pitch over and over again. And it wasn't bad. I mean, Austin Hayes took him deep. He gave up a couple of hits, but only one run uh, over two and a third. Um, it's really not that bad. Now, the last thing I wanted to ask, I know you touched on this already, but just kind of wanted to specifically ask, which is what I kind of ask a lot of people when we talk about, you know, waiver claims from other teams. Was it most specifically that, you know, the reason he's DFA is that the Astros just needed those 40 man spots or did it lean more towards, you know, they just wanted to to go another direction and, and we're done with Ryan Hartman. I'm assuming from what you've talked about, it's more they just needed that 40 man spot for somebody else. Yeah, I would say that it's it's certainly the former. I mean, the roster crunch is, is still an issue for them right now. Um, like, you know, as they've made all those moves at the trade deadline, all of a sudden the bullpen's very crowded and they're still kind of sorting through what that mix is going to look like. It's been, it's been an ongoing thing all year. Um, and I think that, you know, if they were in a little more flexible of a position, Ryan Hartman is probably still in the organization. Um, unfortunately, it just didn't work out that way. And uh, it looks like, you know, he'll get a more of an opportunity to uh, to show his stuff in Baltimore. So it looks like it, it should work out for all parties. And he had some some really good numbers throughout the minors. He was he was fairly quick throughout the minor leagues. I mean, he never really spent uh, more than than one season at one minor league level and did a good job getting himself through the minors. Good strikeout numbers, uh, despite his, uh, you know, low velocity and, uh, you know, 27-year-old lefty, ninth-round pick out of Tennessee Wesleyan, and we'll see if the Orioles can uh, turn him into a big leaguer here at some point. He is uh, he is currently in AAA Norfolk, but with the way the Orioles are pitching right now, um, I'm quite certain he's going to get his chance 
at the big league level with the O's. But Spencer, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you're listening, you can follow Spencer on Twitter at Prospect Spencer. And uh, thanks again for giving us a little more info on uh, one of the newest Orioles, Ryan Hartman. So we'll get back to the Orioles talk in just a second, but first got to tell you about Built Bar and all of the delicious flavors of protein bars that Built Bar has to offer. Now they've got flavors like raspberry, they've got flavors like salted caramel, how about cookies and cream, how about German chocolate? I know you're, you're hearing these flavors and you just want to try them all. Well, you can do that. Go to BuiltBar.com and order a mixed box. They will send you two of each of those nine flavors. Then you can sit down and over a couple of weeks, you can try them all and then you can think, you know what? I have my favorite flavors. But here's the best thing about Built Bars. Not only are they all delicious, they're healthy too. You know, most of these bars have 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180, and about 4 or 5 grams of sugar and grams of net carbs. And Built Bar is also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team and all those medals that they brought home from Tokyo. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, we've got baseball season in full swing, and you can track all the action over at BetOnline.ag. And hey, maybe you want to uh, bet against the Orioles right now, because uh, let's be honest, things are not going too well. The Orioles have now allowed nine or more runs in six straight games, which is the first Major League Baseball team to do that in 19 years. You know what? I might uh, put more money on the Orioles to give up nine or more again tonight against the Tigers, if I could. But it's not just baseball that you can bet on over at betonline.ag. Get all the latest nudes, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB. How about UFC MMA action? How about the NFL season coming up soon? So head to the website, use your mobile device to sign up today. You can also receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So our thanks again to Spencer Morris for joining us on the podcast. Again, he writes for the Crawfish Boxes, the Astros SB Nation site. Uh, covers their minor league system most closely, and uh, a, a premium voice on the Astros system to talk about Ryan Hartman, who, again, did throw one game in the major leagues against the Orioles, but it's uh, it's mostly been in the minor leagues for Hartman. And again, you know, it's it's interesting to look at his stats because, again, he was a, he was a ninth-round pick in 2016, and uh, he, he, you know, pitched pretty much in low A right away and had a 2-3-6 ERA in 46 innings in low A right after the draft that year. So, he got started off good. He had a really good 2017 when he moved to high A. He had a fantastic 2018 in the double A bullpen. All of a sudden, he was uh, in triple A in 2019. That's when the numbers took a dip. Now, you got to remember the triple A league that the Astros team plays in. Uh, it's now the Sugarland Skeeters. Um, but, you know, it is offense heavy big time. So the average ERA is in the fives. And so some of these numbers won't sound great, but 2019, he had a 584 ERA in 116 innings. And then, you know, we mentioned just the one appearance in the big leagues this year his triple a stats for 2021 
13 starts, a 5.03 ERA in 62 and two-thirds innings. He's allowed 62 hits. He struck out 59. He's walked 18. But the big issue for him, some because of the ballparks and some because of his stuff, 16 home runs allowed in 13 starts in just about 63 innings. So he's he's been very prone to the long ball. Of course, Austin Hayes got him for one in his only major league appearance. And so it'll be interesting to see what the Orioles can do with Ryan Hartman. Again, he is currently on the AAA Norfolk roster. He has not yet appeared uh, for the Tides yet. And uh, we're actually really not sure what exactly um, his role will be, whether Norfolk will put him right in the rotation. It's obviously a crowded rotation right now, although a spot will somewhat open once Bruce Zimmerman comes back up. But maybe Kyle Bradish will take his spot. He's been kind of pitching out of the bullpen while Bruce was there as a piggyback guy. Um, and then for Hartman also, you know, if he goes into the bullpen, do they use him in one or two inning stints? Or do they specifically use him as a piggyback, you know, bulk three or four inning reliever to keep him in that starting mold? It will be interesting to see. But basically a guy, you know, kind of a soft-tossing lefty and loves to use that fastball. Um, you know, he threw it 38 out of his 46 pitches in his Major League debut, and it averages about 88 miles an hour, and then got the change up the curveball and the slider that he'll toss in there. But, you know, he's trying to go fastball change, as we talked about with Spencer. And, hey, as we said, who better to learn from uh, than John Means if you're going to be a fastball change up lefty but you know we haven't seen him pitch with the tides yet but i am assuming at some point we're probably going to see ryan hartman get his chance with the orioles and if it doesn't work out you know he's a guy who could easily be dfa again and sent to another organization as the orioles you know do have a full 40-man roster so whatever moves they make they might have to move on from other guys but you know at this point we'll see if he gets his shot with the O's. But speaking of AAA Norfolk, where Ryan Hartman is currently on the roster, uh, there is a couple of news and notes I wanted to get to on the Orioles uh, before we let you go here today. And that is that, of course, Adley Rutschman was called up to AAA Norfolk over the weekend. We talked about it uh, on yesterday's episode. But the big thing was he made his AAA debut last night. And uh, what a debut it was for Rutschman after a ground out and then a fly out in his first two at bats. Uh, he had an RBI single from the right side with the infield drawn in uh, for his first AAA hit in his third at-bat. And then his fourth at-bat from the left side was a double down the right field line where he eventually scored on a Jemai Jones RBI single, uh, which ended in a 4-0 Norfolk win over the Memphis Redbirds. Adley Rutschman also almost catching a no-hitter in that game on Tuesday night. It was started uh, by Bruce Zimmerman, who presumably just made his final rehab start and should be joining the Orioles rotation again next week. Zimmerman went five scoreless hitless uh, with a strikeout and two walks. Then came in Kyle Bradish. He worked a hitless sixth, a hitless seventh, and then with two outs in the eighth inning, the Tides finally allowed their first hit. Alec Burleson, who was a college star at ECU, one of the top prospects in the Cardinals system, uh, he gets a two-out single in the eighth off of Kyle Bradish to break up the no-hitter. Uh, but Bradish finished out with three scoreless innings with five strikeouts, one walk, and the one hit. And then Felix Bautista, who was also promoted from AA Bowie to AAA Norfolk at the same time that Adley Rutschman was, a big six foot seven, 250-pound reliever, uh, he struck out the side to close it out in the ninth. That is a name to watch out for. Felix Bautista, 26-year-old, Big righty out of the Dominican Republic in the minor leagues this year. 24 appearances, a .92 ERA, 55 strikeouts in 29 and a third innings pitched. That is between Aberdeen, 
Bowie and Norfolk. He has been shooting up the Orioles system and uh, he has got some good stuff. I honestly think we could see Bautista in the majors by the end of this season. That's how good he has been, but a nice day for AAA Norfolk. And, you know, the stars of that game for Norfolk, again, Bruce Zimmerman, Kyle Bradish, Bautista, Adley Rutschman, and, you know, even Jemai Jones. We should see all those guys contributing to the Orioles in the next year or so. And everybody but Rutschman, I think we could see by the end of 2021 in Baltimore. But one other uh, piece of news and notes, of course, the Orioles uh, DFA'd the right-handed pitcher Connor Green over the weekend. He had come up uh, after spending most of the year in Norfolk after the O's signed him to a minor league contract this offseason, had pitched three games out of the Oriole bullpen. Then after giving up that game-tying three-run homer to Nelson Cruz on Friday night, he was DFA'd. He was actually surprisingly claimed by the Dodgers off waivers. Uh, the Dodgers had a couple of open 40-man roster spots. They fill it with the hard-throwing right-hander Connor Green. So we'll see if he sticks around with the Dodgers. You would assume uh, when the Dodgers get a little healthier, they'll probably DFA Green. And it'll be interesting to see if the Orioles again make a claim on him to get him back in the system. But that's the news and notes for the Orioles. Do have to tell you about another podcast here on the network before we go, and that is Locked On Bets. And betting on baseball doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your pods. So back at the major league level, it is Orioles and Tigers once again tonight. After the O's fall 9-4 in Game 1 on Tuesday night, they will try to even the series in this one tonight. Going on the mound for the Tigers is Tarek Skubal, the 24-year-old top prospect left-hander who will make his 23rd start of the year, a 4-3-2 ERA for Skubal, 121 strikeouts in 110 innings. This year, his last start came against the Red Sox, five scoreless innings, five hits, four Ks, and a walk. And the start before that was against the Orioles, and the O's got to him a little bit. Five and two-thirds innings, four runs on seven hits, four Ks, and one walk in that one for Scooble, left-hander with some pretty good stuff. He will face off against Matt Harvey, the 32-year-old righty. will make his 23rd start, a 6-1-3 ERA for Harvey this season. Of course, coming off that last start, in New York, where he allowed two runs on three hits, struck out one, walked two in four innings, and left with a uh, slight knee injury, although it seems he's good to go and is uh, back to pitching for the Orioles tonight. Of course, uh, that start in New York had ended a streak of 21 and two-thirds scoreless innings consecutively for Matt Harvey. We'll see if he can get back on track with that start against Detroit. And of course, one of those scoreless starts was against the Tigers back on July 30th, where he went six and a third scoreless Six hits, five Ks, and no walks. Would love to see him duplicate that once again tonight against Detroit. So we will be back with you tomorrow recapping game two of this three-game set between the Tigers and the Orioles. And then we will get back to our Orioles MLB draft breakdown series, continuing to look at all the players the Orioles drafted and signed in free agency as undrafted free agents a couple of weeks ago. But that's all coming up on the pod tomorrow. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.